2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the one and the only, still to this day, come at us podcast, show that talks about things like sci-fi, fantasy, movies, TV, etc. and so forth. I'm Dan, he's Dan, we're Dan, we're here to talk about it, get into it, and just tackle it. Um, Thanks for everybody coming here today. Hello, Andrew. Hello, everyone else in the audience. Glad to see everyone. Feel free to chat us up. We love talking to you guys throughout the show. And as Andrew accurately says... A lot of exciting news today would you say that accurately describes the state of the world today daniel
3: uh i would say yes i would say andrew's on point man that was i need to up my energy that was a, a very energetic intro i'm here for it. i'm ready for the news there's so much to discuss and uh we're finally back into the groove with our regular shows starting last week now that all these holidays and new years and all these other things have happened uh, hey there, Rick Garfield in the chat. Good to see you. Um,
2: Dan, how are you doing? And what are you excited to talk about today? Okay, I'm excited to talk about first, uh, literally like a minute before we started, <laughs> we found, saw some new news. Hey, Julie. Uh, we saw some new news about the Game of Thrones showrunners, depending on Dan Weiss, saying what they would have changed about Game of Thrones. We'll get to that in a second. But first, yes. why don't we go over quickly uh, the thing that everyone cares about more and more each year it happens the emmy awards that that magical time every year when the rich and famous of hollywood get together in an auditorium and spend three and a half hours handing out little golden statues to each other um my that is quite a way to frame it Relationship <laughs> with the Emmys is, or or award shows in general. I used to really like award shows, you know, and then the older I got, mm-hmm. the sillier they seemed to me. And now I did watch this whole award show because they promised a Game of Thrones cast reunion, because they were doing like this little send ups and like bits about like classic shows mm-hmm. like they have the Sopranos cast reunite and the cast of Ally McBeal of all things reunite. Gotta have that Ally McBeal stuff, and um and there was kind of a game of thrones tribute but no there wasn't it was just it was at the very it was at the very end it was literally the last award so i had to watch the entire thing to get the closer it It was the closer it was the award for best drama and it was coast anthony anderson who looked like he did a good job wearing like a game of thrones roby thing next to a prop of the iron throne and welcoming Peter Dinklage onto uh, the stage to give out the award for best drama. It's cute. Totally cute. I'm like, that is not a cast reunion. (laughs) That is not a tribute. (laughs) They rebuilt the cheers set and had like Ted Danson and Rhea Perlman and the guys who played Norm and the dumb mailman all come back and they did a little bit. Uh, And so for for the, for the game of Thrones tribute to be an iron throne prop and Peter Dinklage is here. (laughs) was about all we got, Uh, which is fine. I just, uh, all I'm saying is if if I'd known that was the case, I'm not sure. I, I sat through like three hours for that.
3: Well, that's exactly why they they framed it the way they did as a reunion event thingy to get you to watch through to the end. Um, I love this note that you have here in our uh, podcast outline, taking you guys behind the magic here. Uh, at no point was Dinklage in the frame with the Iron Throne prop. So this, I, I think, pretty fairly made you salty, it sounds like. Uh, and oh yeah, I... I I kind of rolled my eyes when they first said they were doing recreations of scenes. I was obviously a little skeptical because Mm -hmm. that sounds like the sort of thing uh, people would say in a press release, but then would probably end up being much smaller than anyone imagines in the actual show, which it sounds (laughs) like was the case at least for game of Thrones here. So sorry to you and everyone else who watched all three hours just for the game of Thrones tribute. But, uh, but we love
2: you, Peter Dinklage. So good job! Uh, it is. It was fun. He also quoted his uh, again of all things when he's giving out the award. He quoted his um, famous slash infamous speech about why Bran should be king, whereas a uh, who has a better story than these eight nominees was basically the gist of it. Uh, where he kind of talked about just you know n- n- nothing more powerful than a story. No enemy can defeat it. And it's just funny because that speech is, I think, among the Game of Thrones fandom, or at least there's a meme where people don't like it very much. And that's the one they're repurposing. But of course, it's about like how important storytellers are. So of course a room full of Hollywood folk would eat yeah. up a spoon.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the right choice. You know, I don't know what's a better speech from Game of Thrones to use than that. And that is, like you said, that was the self-referential moment of of the final season where they basically nodded to, we're making art, and and how cool is that? And a lot of shows do this. It's not just Game of Thrones. Um, But yeah, that one does have a particularly thorny uh, history with the fans who hated Bran. I am not one of them. I personally like that scene. So good for you, Peter Dinklage. I hope that you enjoyed getting to revisit those lines for this very contextually appropriate moment.
2: Um, Yeah. And um, the, the yeah. show itself was fine. Um, the Emmys ended up being uh, Succession got six awards, including Best Drama. Peter Dinkins read it out. Good for him, which I think is deserved. No I surprise. mean, we, we all expected it. There are really no surprises. Um, the Bear got six awards for Best Comedy. Sure. Um, and some acting stuff in that. And <laughs> sure. then mm-hmm. Beef. I, it, uh, that's part of the reason award shows seem so silly. It's like. The line between comedy and drama feels very arbitrary. Like what, what about the bear is funny, but okay, fine. And then beef got a bunch too.
3: Yeah. I think that some of these, uh, I think that some of, you know, the distinctions, not to say there aren't times where it's like legit comedies in, in some of these and stuff like that. But it almost seems to me like a way that they can give out more awards to more of these different types of shows because like no way was The Bear going to beat Succession. It's an award-worthy show. But yeah, comedy definitely feels like a misnomer. That That's not how I would describe that show, even though it has some funny moments. Like, not the point at all. Uh, but yeah, Ju- Julie says she was disappointed with you, Dan. So you weren't alone. Watched it oh, all for the Game of Thrones tribute too, and was so
2: disappointed. He didn't. He, she's right. He did walk past it, like kind of with a thing in front of his face, like trying to ignore it. Which was, I don't know. We're we'll allowed to unpack. But um, that happened. It was the Emmys, and now they're over. They're apparently the least watched yes. Emmys in the history of the award show. So everyone else must feel similarly to me that they're not very interesting.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, movie- Andrew says he had forgotten they even happened. Uh, you're not the only one, apparently. Um, they really did I don't know if it's just because I'm not watching cable or what, but I feel like they didn't know real like promo for the fact that the awards show was happening. Like I don't know where I could have watched it aside from, I guess YouTube. and I didn't see like a single ad for it before it happens. Um so, yeah, I'm not it's no surprise that it is the the least watched Emmy. Um, so what can you do? Julie likes it for the fashion. Yeah, the fashion is fun. Mm -hmm. Coleman Domingo looked like a boss. That's my takeaway from the fashion. He had like a big yellow get up
2: But uh, let's move on from from the Emmys uh, and we'll be we'll back here for the Oscars later, uh, unfortunately. And uh, let's talk about some juicy stuff that spilled out uh, some House of the Dragon stuff. So Matt Smith, who plays Daemon Targaryen, large, angry, blonde, um, niece enthusiast, Daemon Targaryen, went on some kind of radio talk show, the Zoe Ball breakfast show. And basically yes and said he was asked when will House the Dragon season 2 be out and he said August I think I think summer this summer yeah I've not seen any of it yet but we finished filming yeah. this last year so we got to do ADR on that business so he said August so House the Dragon 2 House the Dragon season 2 out in August of 2024 confirmed not quite but uh it seems pretty likely that's when the first season Uh, debuted in august 2023 so i'm not shocked that uh matt smith would accidentally purposefully or otherwise just say august and i can take it as a not gospel but at least like one of the other books of the bible that got tossed out
3: (laughs) i i don't know the bible so i couldn't tell you which ones those are but yes they're there uh somewhere in the dead sea maybe uh, yeah, if Matt Smith is saying August, you know, these things can change, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, HBO could decide tomorrow that it fits their schedule better to roll it out in July or whatever, and they would adjust. But I think that feels like a pretty safe thing to expect. If we have yeah. an actor like Matt Smith say in August, Nicole says, boo, August. And yeah, that's fair. I know we all want it sooner, but it does kind of line up with when the first season Came out two years ago, and uh, yeah. So then they're they're doing the same thing basically. I, has it always been this way that like August into September is like the prime slot for a show? Because no, like I Wheel think Game of, of used to do it last like May year. Yeah, it did. It did right like April and May. Mm-hmm. Um, but the past few years we've had a, like a big fantasy show in this August to September slot. Um, so that I I think that I'm excited that gives us all summer to get hype and it's gonna be a good time.
2: uh, pretty. yeah, I can accept it. uh, I know that Nicole says boo August. I imagine just because it's it's far away. Um, part of me does wish yeah. they would release this stuff during like a colder months. like over the weekend in Chicago, <laughs> it was like negative 10 degrees with with the wind. like I can't leave my house without putting on like a suit of armor more or less and like 13 scars and a giant hat. And like, I would, it'd be, it's a great time to sit inside and like be taken away to another fantasy place. But, um, the yeah. summer, I guess will be fine too.
3: Yeah. I always did like the Thrones kind of slot of the, the late winter or into spring. Um, but Hey, house of the dragon apparently is a summer slash fall show. And maybe that's more appropriate because we're not up at the wall here. Am I the only one who it's like, if the temperature is going to be vastly different, like, I don't know. Is that seasonally appropriate? Like I'll watch the last of us in the winter, but do I want to watch people go to war outside Rook's rest where it's all nice and sunny? Probably. Really? I don't know who I'm kidding. (laughs) Nah, let's just ignore (laughs) everything I just said. It's, it's nonsense. Uh, but yeah,
2: so it does make me want to psychoanalyze you, but that's, but that's another thing we do off camera. Um, Yes. Nicole's with me, but we'll see it sooner or later, probably August. Good for it. And finally, before we leave uh, Westeros, we have to talk briefly about this Hollywood Reporter article that just dropped, or rather, I think an excerpt, because the other week, the Hollywood Reporter talked to David Benioff and Dan Weiss, the Game of Thrones showrunners, Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. a lot. They talked to them about their new show, Three Body Problem. They talked to them about um, their aborted Star Wars trilogy. And of course, they stuck out some Game of Thrones questions. And they just put out a new article where they kind of excerpt this bit where they asked them, if you could change one thing about Game of Thrones, what would it be? And like they they clearly want them to say something about, I don't know, the end, which so many people found so objectionable. Like, we would have made Bran not king, or we would have had the nearest nearest thing. We would have brightened up the lighting. Um, But Benioff and Weiss, clearly, I think, having some fun and being clever and just kind of not answering the question they want them to answer, uh, said they would have had more of Mord the Jailer. Remember that guy? He was the... I love this answer. It's a good answer. Like, a dim-witted guard. (laughs) slapped Tyrion around when he was a prisoner in the Eyrie in the first season. I think he like yeah. spoke in clips, not full sentences uh, and <laughs> just had a few lines between them. Tyrion had to convince him to take him up to the throne room or the Eyrie, whatever you call it in the Eyrie. And uh, he was just a big, dumb. And, th- and then he got a lot of money at the end. Oh, I put it together. Yes, he did. And
3: then. Yes. A- yeah, that's what.
2: Yeah, I- I- I'm just now getting why they're saying this. Uh, yeah, they were saying it was a mistake not to bring Mord the Jailer back into it, according to Weiss. We always talked about doing it. They even had a scene in mind where they would be in a tavern and Mord would be in the background as the owner of the tavern. And I'm just now thinking, oh, it's because he got all the money at the end from Tyrion, that he went out and bought a small business. Okay, I'm there.
3: Yeah, I think that's hilarious. So the Mord scene from A Game of Thrones, I've always loved that scene. That's like, Classic George R. R. Martin, like wit at work, that scene where this this jailer is just belligerently, you know, beating Tyrion and, and Tyrion's cracking jokes the whole time. Um, and yeah, their idea was we could have have had the actor in the background acting exactly the way he did as a jailer. Except now as a small business owner, it was such an obvious no-brainer day-after idea. Which, like, yeah, I could totally see that. It occurs to them after they filmed it, crap, we should have called that actor and had them, you know, basically mm-hmm. be an extra uh, on set that day. Um, man, the, the ones we could have Therian had.
2: In Birmingham, FYI.
3: Yes. Who I, I do not remember
2: because they are just in that one episode, pretty much episode five, I think, of the first season. Nice. Just for Kyrian. Mostly. I mean, yeah, it's cute. It's clever. Mostly I like how they are are very purposefully not giving them the question they're fishing for the answer they're fishing for. I think that's funny. Yes. Um, and again, and they say in, in both articles that they're kind of avoiding commenting on Game of Thrones or criticizing it. Because they don't feel that would do any good which i think is very i think it's smart like the way they've i it's it's because i remember the firestorm of hate that happened after the final season and you didn't hear a thing from them and i think looking back that was 100 percent the right way to go they really kind of insulated themselves no doubt. from all of that talk to their real life relations if people come up to them on the street and say something it's much more polite they said that because they don't have the cloak of anonymity mm-hmm. and uh they come out with their humor with their sense of humor and um professional integrity intact uh we're all good on them because you know if they said anything if they criticized anything the legions of people who still revile their names as a killing word would take any whisper from their mouths of evidence of their malicious vendetta against good art and just um let them have yeah. it so kind of remaining mum is uh, a a good strategy for if if everybody I device. think
3: yeah I think this is I really respect that they have done this like both in the past that they haven't really been very vocal and that now they're just like so what the article said I assume they said this like off the record or something that they didn't feel it would be really productive For them, or for HBO, or for the like thousands of people who worked on the show, like it would be kind of disrespectful to be dissing it. And like, that's really smart and a really, I think, healthy way to navigate stuff like this and a really wise way to do it. Um, so yeah, they were obviously fishing for you know an answer, (laughs) they obviously had a headline in mind asking them this like sure. like what would you change about game of thrones um i didn't realize that this uh this whole big benioff and weiss like interview and this game of thrones piece which you can uh if you want to hear us talk more about the benioff and weiss interview listen to last week's episode if you're a listener and you haven't checked that one out um but it it was done with james hibbard who uh mm-hmm. he's a longtime reporter who covered uh, Game of Thrones for Entertainment Weekly. So there's it, Benioff and Weiss are like famously kind of reclusive with interviews, but I guess for uh, for James Hibbard they came out and uh, talked up more to the jailer. So um, yeah, good stuff. I, I enjoyed hearing from them again. I'm excited for their new show Three Body Problem in
2: March. I am too. in uh, In March, I wonder if they'll do more. I wonder if they'll talk to someone other than the hipmaster General because they should want to promote this new show. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, good for them. And again, I'm very yeah. curious to see. I just want to see what people say about the new show. I'm sure it'll be cool, fun online for a while. All right, Daniel, anything else you want to talk about? Um, Wait, what, in sh- move on? Hmm? You want to hear what who will say about the new
3: show? What Benny Weiss the will populace. say about Three Body Problem? The
2: plebs. Oh, the populace. Um, mm-hmm. You want to
3: see what the populace will say about Three Body Problem?
2: Yes. Specifically in relation. I mean, about it in general, and also I want to see how the continuing narrative of Game of Thrones showrunners, David Benny Fernand Weiss, evolves and uh, into uh, a new era when they have a new show out. I want to see how much of the hate yeah. from Game of Thrones is held over. I want to see how much dissipates. I want to see how many new narratives start to form. Um, I love observing the ever-changing nature of the psychic diaspora. Uh, that is humanity's (laughs) collective online conversation. I think it's fun.
3: Yes. Yeah. I think it'll be definitely interesting. It's nice that they're back in the game again, because, you know, we've really only had what a single show from David Benioff and Dan Weiss, and that is Game of Thrones. So like, were you know, were they a one hit wonder in terms of TV shows? Like, so far they have been, I, so I'm really excited for them to be back in the discussion, and like, I don't know, we all hate on Game of Thrones Season 8 so much, but like, they did so much good work on that show that like, yeah, I'm inclined to
2: give, give them the benefit of the doubt. Oh, I totally am. I, I thought they got way too much hate for my season of Game of Thrones, but that is a yeah. done and dusted topic. Once we move on to uh, some new shows that are popping around out there. Uh, yes. So you've been watching some, rights. What have you yeah. been
3: watching, Dan? We're, this is not our what are we watching segment. Let it be known. This is a different segment that is also about what we're watching. So <laughs>
2: yeah, um, <laughs> that's an important distinction. This past Sunday, I'm not sure if you watched it. I watched the first episode of uh, True Detective Night Country with Jodie Foster okay. and Callie Rice. Did you watch it Daniel? Cool. I, I, I wasn't sure i never I didn't get your uh
3: i haven't um you That's know fine. i really i'll be honest here i don't i'm not subscribed to max right now uh because it's been really? so long since they've had a fantasy or sci-fi thing that i mean i can watch rebel moon over on netflix why would i have max <laughs> so no i <laughs> i haven't watched it yet
2: uh how was it i do it did look really good I've always liked uh have you watched the other season of future detective or one of the other ones or 2 or 3 I
3: have, have not seen any seasons I have okay, not cool. I I won't lie the uh, You don't got to lie you, it's fine. your review your review for this I thought was was pretty on point talking about the you know how much the grizzled troubled detective solving stuff has been done. And I think that that is, you know, that's kind of like an eternal trope in in our modern time. You know, they can reinvent that as many ways as they want and people will probably watch it. Um, But no, so I haven't seen true detective. Um, Should I have seen
2: true detective? Am I missing out? Uh, Hey, I want to see what the uh, commenters tell Dan, should he have seen true detective? Um, yeah, I think it was worth watching. The first season was very, very good. Uh, oh, and Fantasy Fan didn't really care for it. Whole episode, a little bored and tired. And uh, Yeah, okay. uh, we can talk about that. Uh, I didn't see the second. I, I enjoyed the third. It really hasn't ever gotten past the first. The first was this like really interesting... It yeah. was a straightforward detective show, but there was something different about... A, it had the star power. It had Woody Harrelson and... Matthew McConaughey. It's always been a part of True Detective is getting like these big names into yeah. it, and it, sure, it, even back then they were doing sort of this grizzled, troubled detective that solves crimes, which has been done a lot. I'm I'm thinking of mm-hmm. like um, I don't know, like Mcnulty and The Wire. I'm thinking sipowitz and more people. I'm thinking like uh, Dale Cooper in Twin Peaks. Like, but it it still had a and Twin Peaks, by the way, all over this show. It still had a sort of um, like melding of true crime series with like a mystical edge. Like there's something mysterious. It is a little supernatural, True Detective. That's kind of why it's popped up as like a genre show. Oh, even though really it's not. Well, it's not literally supernatural. It's that's what the I think. Tone is such. But maybe it is. It's it's they've always framed it. In a way that there are like ideas being discussed that are outside human comprehension. It's a it's an especially that it's an ambitious show, and this. But is this like a Scooby Doo thing where it's like the you know these ideas
3: crimes. outside of? Well, it's like, ooh, is this supernatural? And then they pull off the mask, and it's like, no, it was that guy, and he would have gotten away with no. it if it wasn't no. for. Joe
2: foster okay it's never like a ghost did this and then they find the guy in the ghost mask it's okay okay it's it's (laughs) a vibe it's especially that for it's it's a vibe it's like the they effectively and I, i think i made that first in the third season they effectively kind of externalize the supernatural monster in every human being and turn Ooh, what okay. is sort of a story about people hunting people who do bad things to other people into a story that feels like it has a grander, almost fantasy-esque scope. Uh, gotcha. And yeah, it's the show goes for it. I mean, it definitely has a, a cool tone. And this new season, Night Country, starring again, stars Jodie Foster is about as big a star as they come of course she has a uh true crime pedigree with science of the lambs back in 91 one, two, somewhere around there um and she's really good and this and this time the mystery is a bunch of scientists scientists disappear from a snowy icy alaskan research center end up dead on the ice there's a mysterious uh Sequence at first, where they keep saying she's awake. Who's she, Daniel? Eventual spirit who's up to get everybody? It's possible. I doubt it, but it's possible. Find out in episode three. And now we've got to uh, unravel that. I like it. I do like it, although I'm sympathetic to whoever said, um, let's see, uh, who said that they were like, it was fine. Fantasy fan didn't care for it. A lot of good comments here. I watched the whole first episode, a little bored and tired. It, it, it does feel a little tired because and again, not just because detectives from the fourth season, but also because yeah, that reason you mentioned that the grizzled troubled detective is a pretty old trope by this point. But it's still very well done. Um, Jodie Foster is yeah. obviously a wonderful actor. I love the setting, this kind of that it's that part of Alaska Setting's where like cool. the sun the sun doesn't show up for like all the entirety of winter. That sounds can you imagine what it would to live there? <laughs> like a seasonal affective disorder just like for months straight. But just supercharged because I guess be we intense. already have that here.
3: Yeah. What about Yeah, that'd mean? be pretty intense. Uh, Alaskan listeners, let us know what that's like. Yes. Um, yeah. So I'm basically what I'm getting is uh, Nicole says, Was it a Yeti? Uh, so far, we don't know if it was a Yeti. And also because it takes place in Alaska during this dark period it could cross over with 30 days of night and maybe Josh Hartnett is the killer. Is is that more or less accurate? <laughs> I don't know what 30 days of night is,
2: but, um... Oh, it's
3: a vampire movie set in the, in the same region of Alaska. And the idea of that is the sun goes down and then the vampires come out and are like, this is great. Nice. 30 days. Oh, they we would enjoy just that. Run the, run the place. They would. Um, so it sounds like this season is pretty good. And it's, A lot of people saying season one was fantastic. It was Uh, fantasy fan says amazing first season. Um, And I've always meant to watch at least the first season, because from what I recall, it was kind of designed as a one-off like limited series. They got Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey to do this show. And then it just did so well, I guess that someone offered someone dump truck loads full of money (laughs) to Come up with more ideas for more true detective. Yeah, um, the dump truck. So, do you know how many episodes this season is? Six. Oh, wow. It's short.
2: Okay. Yeah. Is that shorter the, than usual uh, for this show? Yeah. It's usually eight. Uh, that is the trend nowadays gotcha. to get shorter and shorter. That's, you uh, want that's to how tell Jodie Foster, Foster. Foster she has to remain in Iceland or whatever for like how many months? No, Jodie's got stuff to do. I guess so.
3: Okay. So it sounds like this is pretty good. This is on Max right now. And HBO? And HBO. Is yeah, it? It's HBO proper. And HBO. Okay. HBO proper. So it's not relegated to the, the Max archives. Um, do you think you're going to watch it through the end of the season?
2: Yeah. I don't why not. It's always been good. Um, as everyone says, first season is really, yeah. really good. Um, and maybe it is a Yeti. Perhaps they're going with supernatural this year. I'd be interested in that. And it's always well put together. Just it's hard for a show to break out of the grizzled trouble detective template at this point because it's so well worn. But I mean, if anyone's yeah. gonna do it, HBOs want to push his boundaries. I mean, we hope still. So if if anyone's gonna do it, perhaps true detective can pull it off. I will watch, I'll be interested, I'll be reviewing it if anybody's interested on Wick. And uh, maybe you'll watch along, maybe you won't. I can't control you. I don't have that power.
3: Well, the one thing I will say for for this season of True Detective is that this is the most interesting the show has looked to me since its mm. first season. Um, I was never sure. super drawn to any of the ones after Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, um, but I have wanted to watch this, this new one with Jodie Foster, uh, Night Country, so... Maybe I will check it out before
2: it's over. It's an easy one. Another movie that took place in, like, I think it might have been Nova Scotia, Insomnia, with uh, Robin Williams and I've um, seen that. Al Pacino, where it's, like, again, Ooh. eternal night. And it's, again, a gristle detective chasing a creepy psychopath. Uh, it just it attracts What's storytellers. This, you decide. This <laughs> it attracts to this kind of environment. But yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um, there, you out in uh, Internet land watching us. And what are you watching, Daniel Roman?
3: Um. All right. So the main thing, I it's been a little bit slower of a week for me on the TV watching. Alas and unfortunately, um, I'm still watching Percy Jackson which I am enjoying. Uh, I haven't seen the most recent one, which it seems like people didn't like quite as much as what I'm gathering. Um, Some, some kind of interesting complaints from Percy Jackson fans about the show Um, during. So it's kind of interesting to me. You wrote about this today that some people aren't loving it because it's kind of slow and, and a little, um, they're changing some things and kind of dragging out others, speeding through other, other things. And I, it made me think of the Benioff and Weiss interview where they basically said, if we gave people a really faithful adaptation, would they even have liked it? Cause they were kind of talking about the three body problem and how there's this very faithful Chinese right. adaptation that would, w- didn't explode. And theirs is changing some things. And so Percy Jackson has had some discussion because there were movies which were famously not very faithful. And now there's Mm -hmm. a show that is supposedly trying to be more faithful, but um, maybe isn't quite as exciting as the movies or isn't quite striking the balance uh, the same way. So they kind of each have their own sorts of issues. And yeah, jury's out for me, but I am still enjoying Percy Jackson. I'm not attached to the books, so I can get away with that.
2: Oh yeah, neither am I. Um, and I think it's fine. I think I said last week it's a it's a nice little family-friendly show that isn't moving me to tears or to great peals of laughter, but I think it's fine. A lot of I looked at the Percy Jackson subreddit this morning just to kind of see if I found any nice memes or whatever. And I was amused to see people just ripping the show to shreds. I don't know if that's common in the Percy Jackson fan community or if that's just the subreddit, but they were really down on it saying how it changed, how he should apologize speaking of um benioff and weiss choosing not to criticize game of thrones they were ripping author rick riordan for criticizing the Chris Jackson movie so often when this new show really isn't an improvement according to these people on the subreddit so i'm not really a part of that community but uh i think it's fine <laughs> and um i'll keep watching yeah. they're short episodes think disney is so short. they are yeah, they got on pretty easy. They're,
3: I mean, they're yeah, they're they're you know they're aiming it slash making it accessible to to kids. So yeah. I, Percy Jackson is kind of exactly what I expected. Like you know, I didn't ever go into it thinking this was going to be my new favorite show. No. it's kind of a a younger leaning show, um, but I I am enjoying it. I think there's a lot of really great stuff about it. I really enjoy the cast that they got for it. Um the sets, the vibes are all very cool. Yeah, um, Nicole uh, says some of the Not watching, watching Percy. are nice. Yeah. Nicole says it was too boring, which um that mm-hmm. seems to be a complaint people have had. I did really like the episode before this one with Aries.
2: So I did that. too. I thought it was one of the better ones so far. Yeah, same. 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 Um Percy um, Jackson for me is I don't have a name for it, but it's one of those shows I will watch if I'm doing something else while I watch it. It's not really good enough to just have my attention fixed. Like, I'll watch it, but I gotta be folding laundry. I gotta be doing dishes. I gotta be answering emails. Like, I can't I can't just watch that straight. It's not really interesting enough for yeah. me. But it's um, it's That's fine. I got it out there for the fans. Uh,
3: one I watched I, one of those last night. That was Which? a movie. I'll, I'll just, I'm going to toss it to you real quick. I watched a good multitasking thing called Knights of the Zodiac. I don't even remember what streaming service it was on. It's a movie that's like half animated, uh, kind of ridiculous, has Sean Bean and the kid who played Roa Zoro from One Piece. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a good multitasking movie with some very ridiculous fight scenes.
2: That sounds familiar. Okay, now I'll go Google it later. Uh, good for a I mean, I wouldn't Zara. say
3: it's good, but I was entertained
2: the whole <laughs> way through. Netflix.
3: I'm gonna be honest. I don't know. Oh, I think it, it might it, have
2: been on Prime. Doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, as Nicole says, <laughs> finished echo. That was decent. I heard it was decent. Ooh, One thing I just nice. finished, and I did watch uh, attentively, mainly because I, I was reviewing it, but also because I like it. Was uh, For All Mankind on Apple TV Plus, which wrapped up its it's wrapped up its fourth season this past friday always liked this show always wanted to have a bit more of a reach than it does it's this cool idea it's like every season it starts in the 60s and every season goes forward like a decade and explores Mm -hmm. how the world would be different if the u.s and the soviet union never stopped um engaging in the space race So in this reality, we're now up to like the early 2000s and we have a colony on Mars and technology is a lot further along than it is in our world because when you go into space, you invent new stuff is the uh, kind of predominant narrative. And uh, the characters are a lot older, but they're passing it on to like their kids now kind of taking up the mantle. It's an ambitious show, uh, both because of it tries to engage with like how would like earth to mars travel really work and because of this whole generational thing where the cast gets older and some go out like some of the cast members who started the show aren't in anymore because like their characters got old and died or uh they are just not involved in the story anymore uh and then there are others who are like literally taking over like if this show goes six seasons there's no way that anybody from the first season will be on it because they'll all be way too old even right now ed baldwin joel kinnaman the guy in the spaceship on the right he was like uh, like a, a young father in the first season in the 60s and now he's like an old man in 2002 and they just said he'll be back wow. in season five in set in 2012 i'm like he's gonna look ridiculous they're gonna put like liver spots on him and make him look really silly um if that happens, we don't know if season five yet. I like this show. I think it's good. I think it's ambitious. I think it takes big swings. Um, and I think if people are interested in a slow-burning, uh, well-made, thoughtfully written sci-fi drama, it's worth checking out. It, it's not perfect. Um, it, it It's one of those shows that kind of um, has an idea of what it wants to say about human progress, and then it kind of like... Like turns its characters occasionally into puppets to like sort of say the thing uh, at the expense of mm-hmm. having them act the way a person would in the situation, but usually no, usually it does a good job of balancing that out. Uh, this season, I felt a little more than in the past, but performances are all good. The ambition is there, uh, the the look is there. It's really done in a way where it builds very slowly all the time up to a big climax, which I like uh, across ten episodes always ten episodes a season, never gotten to 8 or 6. It's always nice. 10, which is nice. So yeah, if anybody is interested in a, in a sci-fi drama they want to watch, um totally something interesting to check out.
3: That's awesome. I'm glad that you've been enjoying for all mankind and that you actually are yeah. caught up on it cuz like the the conceit of the show is really interesting, like that it skips decades, that it's, you know, this alternate space race history. Um, Totally. it also is like it's interesting to see apple tv um keep renewing this show honestly because not because it's bad or anything but because it just hasn't really broken out and it's now on its fourth season and i think apple has almost kind of (laughs) developed like the reputation where they are like one of the streaming services that isn't going to suddenly axe a show for no reason maybe because they're you know they're funding all of this with like the pocket change they found under Steve Jobs couch after he passed away or something like the apple has the money to throw around at stuff and they really don't care the same way about ratings or things like that as mm-hmm. another streamer would that's why like you know that's people awesome. talking about Kel- yeah exactly um, people talking about Killers of the Flower Moon, how it didn't really make very much at the theater, and it cost them a ton of money. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say like upwards of two hundred million to make two hundred million but dollars. Like, yeah, but it was really like you know a kind of a clout sort of thing for the the streaming service, and yeah. then they just went and sold a bunch of iPads, and it was fine, and they could afford it um so it yeah what robert harris said i love that apple tends to give shows a chance and that is really cool because a lot of shows do take a season or two to find their footing and apple seems to be one of the few services that isn't you know gonna cancel something if it just doesn't have great numbers in season one if it seems like a promising good show like foundation got renewed as well for season three and honestly i wasn't sure if it was going to or not um and i did like season two of foundation kind of more than i expected to um <laughs> like i'm not i'm not really familiar with asimov's books there are things about Fa- foundation that i always like chuckle about like to myself while i'm watching it but then it'll turn around and do some really cool stuff too um so yeah Ab- apple is uh is making moves here so that's all pretty exciting especially because they have a murder bot tv show on the way and Ooh. i wouldn't want to see
2: back it cancelled unduly. Uh yeah. yeah you you can so, depend on it. Um Nicole also yeah. said that uh, she watched Monarch and that it ended about as badly as I expect as, as I thought it Oof. would. Um we think Camilla didn't not watch here. Monarch here. <laughs> Thank goodness. We didn't watch Monarch. Uh but again, that's another like um big splashy show they're spending money on. Uh just yeah app oh yeah, that's like, an Apple show, isn't it? Yeah. Apple TV plus is like what Max and HBO used to because I feel like HBO used to be the place that would take chances Ooh. on stuff. And yeah. now they've kind of become the new Netflix where they like cancel everything. Like our flag means death. Julia, a show that I was watching and really liking just got canceled. Um, oh, that's Uh warrior. Know, warrior, of course. I'll never forget. I'll, uh, never forget. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, Raised by Wolves. Your favorite. Your favorite. Yes. Weird ass. Max Never show. forget. Yeah. <laughs> That, 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 that's kind of, they're in danger of always be cancelling, becoming their new credo, which you which always just be, a shame. be cancelling. ABC, yeah, it would, because, be- because
3: it, it's so hard because, you know, again, this is kind of where the corporate interests and corporate difference comes into play, because, you know, has HBO's philosophy shifted? I feel like maybe not necessarily <laughs> like it's still Casey Bloys kind of running HBO as far as I know but the yeah. larger company Warner Brothers Discovery is going through a belt tightening phase where it is specifically trying to cut stuff down and yeah I mean Robert Harris will never forgive them for canceling Raised by Wolves and I'm kind of there kind of there with him um it, it just seems like you know it's the opposite of Apple right they have just a giant war chest they can make all the shows with. And David Zaslav is meanwhile, like canning already completed things to try to like get
2: a tax credit. So, I mean, again, just, and it just, it's one of those gross situations where he's saying we have to cut back. We have to, what David Zaslav sound like we have to cut back we have to save money we have to cancel all these shows tax credits and meanwhile he's pocketing like 200 million dollars a year which is absurd um yeah that apple thing just really quickly it does boggle my mind that killers of the flower moon and optical plus good movie procedure whatever cost 200 million dollars to make I saw that movie like it didn't have a special effect in it and meanwhile, Godzilla Minus One costs like $15 million to make. It's a big special effects bonanza, and somebody saved on that. But no, better give Leonardo DiCaprio $50 million for to appear in this thing. Oh, good.
3: Well, part of, so I don't know how much you know about Godzilla Minus One, but one reason that it was so cheap, apparently, is because of mm-hmm. Japan's labor laws that prevent (laughs) apparently they they have labor laws that like cap how much film workers can make or something like that i don't know all the details but that's a big part of why the budget is less um but the flip side is they put a lot of you know that budget on screen um
2: japan has bad labor laws too everywhere has bad labor laws
3: apparently i mean so, yeah, it is definitely interesting times in the industry as a whole. You know, I'm still kind of waiting to see if we're going to get, I think it's IATSE is, is up for their renegotiation this year. We could be looking at more um, strikes depending on how the the, uh, the execs handle things. Um, at least those will be, you know, those won't affect things that are already coming out, but things that are filming, they could if they happen, which hopefully they won't. Um fantasy fan says, I'm wondering if wheel mm-hmm. of time would be renewed for a season four on Apple. I'm really hoping Amazon renews it.
2: Um, oh man. So am I, Do you have man. any
3: opinions about wheel of time, not being renewed. Cause I have thoughts about
2: that. I'm not worried personally. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I haven't given it a ton of thought, I guess the first thing would be fear, but why aren't you worried? <laughs> because from what I recall, it got a really early renewal for season
3: three three yeah um but when it was renewed for season three i believe season two was already done filming Mm -hmm. so it was just that it was so far ahead of when it released like they were filming season two when season one came out um but right now they're still filming season three so that's why i'm not really like so what if they renewed it they wouldn't be working on it now anyway you know because they still have weeks at least weeks left of filming uh from from what yosha stradowski said in some of his interviews talking about going to south africa to film some of the aiel waste scenes um so i i'm really hoping amazon renews it too but so far to me it is not weird in the slightest that it hasn't been renewed for
2: season four yet okay that's daniel roman with a ray of hope uh good i didn't do that today that's my take I've one other yes. show I want to mention, and by the way, I'm not sure if you realize this. We have about 50 people live watching us on Facebook right now, so we have some uh, some newcomers. Hi you all! What are you guys interested good in? Good to see. Uh, you. If anybody Welcome. who's not usually here wants to sound off. What are you watching? What brings you to take the black? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, download yeah. us at iTunes and stuff, and uh, watch us wherever podcasts are available. We're here every Wednesday at 2 p.m. CST. Feel free to come on back. We have a good time here. Um. I, I, it was interesting that you mentioned that you'd gotten rid of Max because, as yeah, as frustrated as I can be with their cancellations, I think it's still probably my favorite streaming service. We watched this documentary, like just three episodes, uh, called "Love Has Won." You heard of this? I have not. Holy crap! What is it? Um, it's this documentary <laughs> series about a cult. That kind of sprung up in the past few years. It like it rose and fall between 2018 and like 2020. Um okay. about this just woman who calls herself Mother God. She's God. And uh her and her followers went all over the country and then she died because they kept feeding her colloidal silver to um, you know, oh. heal her spiritual wounds. And she was blue by the end of it. And all like the cult members are like fresh out of this. They're all going like, she was Mother God. She was going to go to the clouds that are actually spaceships in disguise. And we had to help her by pumping her full of silver. She said she wanted to go to a hospital. We said, no, we know Mother God would never want to go to a hospital. And it was just, oh, it was so, it's wild, man. It's crazy. And like they wrapped her body. That sounds insane. They wrapped her body in like Christmas lights and they mummified her and kept her in like a house in uh, Colorado or California or wherever those freaks were. And uh, now they're all like um, selling herbal supplements and stuff. None of them went to jail. You know, uh, crazy I, story. If you have if you have some hours to kill three episodes, love has won. That was the name of the cult. Love has won like a new cult. So you let me ask. A lot of new cults.
3: Let me ask you here, mm-hmm. because Nicole makes an interesting point. Max has a lot more documentaries and reality TV than dramas now, which is true like like objectively true because of the discovery merger like they said yep. they were going to be putting more of those types of discovery channel which is now half three quarters reality tv and some documentaries onto max um and it sounds like that might be jiving for you dan how, how are you feeling about that because that's a huge turnoff for me personally like i don't really watch any of that stuff aside from like great british bake-off if i'm depressed or whatever um so like, has the new Max been working for you then? Because it sounds like that might be a show
2: that is on there almost as a result of that possibly. I mean, I, I haven't looked into where Love Has One" specifically come from. I would, guess this is an HBO documentary, like The Documentaries. There is a big difference between House Hunters International and this Love Has One" documentary where it's investigative journalism and they really go in over like this. It's not like they're not milking it. It's three episodes and they're in and they're out. Yeah. It's like a documentary yeah. series and they get all the cult members and talking heads and they ask them this question and they, and they talk to their families. It was quite chilling. Like there's a a world of difference yeah. in terms of, in my opinion, uh, quality mm-hmm. between that and like, you know, house flippers for rent or whatever is uh, else on there but yes I mean you're absolutely right yeah. that, that since the discovery merger there's been a lot of that I don't know like TLC flip your broom closet mm-hmm. uh kind of kind of stuff on there <laughs> I've enjoyed the odd episode of House Hunters over uh sure. however long it's been on like the past 30 years but no that's 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 not Same. why I'm watching Max we watched <laughs> Love is one we I loved the show Julia I thought it was great. Um, and they canceled it. Yeah, which is too bad. I watched uh, "Our Flag Means Death." Of course, you know I loved Warrior. I watched the John Oliver I, show I pretty much every Sunday. Like, there's a lot keeping me coming back. Also great um, to Max. Yeah, so it, it's not. That's... I have not really partaken in the the um, you know shake off your bake off uh, of it all. Like the kind of the kind of more easy to produce uh reality shows which which which, which uh, i do know are there i love i only really watch
3: some great mm-hmm. british bake off you best not be shading the bake
2: Off. i didn't shade I love it love that okay this is a different show that i made <laughs> up called shake off or bake off i don't even know what, it's, what, what the deal is with that one i see um okay
3: andrew says love has won is an hbo original doc from last year Bang. uh Good to know, Andrew. Thank you. JP says also curb your enthusiasm. enthusiasms last season. Yes, You cannot that, argue all. that. I will probably tune in to see Larry David in another
2: season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, Andrew Detective, I'm watching. So like Max and true detective. does provide me things I want to watch and it really always has.
3: For me to to have a streaming service, I really need some kind of Genre shows drawing me there. I'm kind of coming to realize this about myself. Like, this mm-hmm. is how I like my natural response to just this time we're living in where there are so many streaming services and they're all getting gradually shittier by introducing <laughs> ads and all of these sorts of things. Um, it's the the shitification of the streaming services. If you're not familiar with that term, thank you. That Corey guy. Doctorow, yeah, Corey Doctorow, uh. Point of that talking about social media and how they once they get you in the door they gradually make the service worse um so for me like there are so many of them that it's really like when there is a show that i know i need to watch on one of them i will go on them and then i'll explore other stuff sure uh, maybe except for netflix that's kind of the one that's just always on
2: um yeah it's always so much I really want to watch um, so, the other two on, on Max. I, I'm not like you; like I don't need a a <laughs> genre thing, I guess, to to get me there. Like yeah, I want to watch fair. the uh, I want the other two because I've heard that's great. Also, got canceled. I still got to watch South Side. That's a really good show on Max, which they also canceled. Yeah. Um and eventually, I think I think they'll run out because they're kind of canceling the things yeah. I'm interested in. I even, my guilty pleasure is the Gilded Age. It is 100% my guilty pleasure. Nice. I feel bad about it. I feel guilty about liking it because it's gaudy rich people, you know, talking about how you couldn't possibly marry Mr. Fingerbottom. He's uh, below you in terms of your class. But, uh oh, sorry, it just kind of sucks me in. So I, I, I like a lot of it. But eventually, if they keep canceling things, there's not going to be as much to draw me in but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh, no. Cool. Yeah, totally. And it it sounds Boggle. like you, you, you've got a Fargo. little bit of,
3: yeah, me too. I haven't seen it. And honestly, the fact that it's Noah Hawley, who I really don't know much about, mm-hmm. but he's making an alien show. So yes. now I feel like I need to know him. He's practically family if he's making alien. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I maybe I'll watch Fargo at some point. Um, But yeah, Uncle lots Zeno of Warf. good stuff. And then there's, there's Echo. That's the the main other show that's on right oh, now right. In, in our kind of space. And I haven't. I've seen the first two. I didn't watch more yet, but I am looking forward to watching more of Echo before next week.
2: Yeah. Um. I also someone else said. Uh. Rick Garfield Max is. I agree. Max is the best streaming service. Hacks is also a great show. I love that show. Hacks is a good show on Max. A uh, comedy. Uh. So yeah, they have good stuff. I'm afraid they're going to run out eventually. Oh, and uh, Robert Harris. I think you yeah. said that. Uh. House Hunters International is a good show. Listen, no need to be ashamed of it. I've enjoyed House Hunters with the best of them. We've all we've all done yep, it. Yep, same. We've all been we, there. We we've all, all watched it. it and we've like looked at the people who say like I don't like the paint color and they're like, well then paint over it like you're buying the place. Um I I've liked it as much as anybody has and I there's no shame in liking House Hunters. Okay, we're going a little long because we have so many new people in here. And I wanted to see if any of them wanted to sound off. If you're new in here in the Facebook chat, sound off. What brings you around here? I'd be curious to know. We talk all the time. Um, but let's move on to uh, the Wick News lightning round, which we do every single time in the show. We go over some stories from yes. the past week that we couldn't fit into the main body of the show. Give our 20 second opinions. No exceptions. Indeed. Except for when there are. All right. I arrange these in some kind of way, and I think I'm going to ask you first.
3: (laughs) Okay. Uh, Daniel.
2: Uh, uh, Millie Alcock, who played young Rhaenyra Targaryen in House of the Dragon, is up for the role of Supergirl in the new DC Cinematic Universe
3: yeah that'd be pretty cool uh so this is james gunn's uh dc cinematic universe uh and she is one of the people who is reportedly i believe in contention for the role uh we know that Gunn or someone he's going to hire is making a supergirl uh woman of tomorrow movie um i'd watch millie alcock as supergirl i think that's an interesting casting coach yeah um all right dan So writer Alex Uh Garland and director Danny Boyle are reteaming to make the zombie sequel movie 28
2: years later. 28 days later, then there was 28 months which didn't involve either of them except like producers. And then 28 years later, quite a long time later, 28 days later, important zombie movie. It kind of like it was responsible for, like, the big zombie craze we saw with The Walking Dead and mm-hmm. World War Z and all that stuff. I mean, not responsible for it, but it had, like, a big thing in pushing it forward. So it matters that these two are getting yeah. back together to do something new. Good for them. I'll watch it. Hey, Daniel, here's something yeah. I did not see coming. Wait,
3: wait. Can I just note this? Can I just note yes. this? So yeah. apparently there is no 28 months later. There's 28 days, 28 weeks. weeks. And then they skipped Sorry. months and went straight to years. Got so sorry. What happened in those twenty eight months? We'll never know. I just think that the titles are funny.
2: (laughs) Me too. Uh, Sorry, centuries later, twenty eight decades. Okay, um, right. This I did not see this news coming. The Witcher season four. The Witcher, kind of a show. um, I don't know. In slight peril. Um, Lawrence Fishburne, Morpheus himself, is joining the cast of The Witcher season four as a character named Regis. Daniel, your thoughts.
3: Yeah, so Regis is a really important Witcher character. Um, some some mild spoilers here. He is a a vampire who hangs out with wow. Geralt. Fans of the game will know him. We heard a while back that Netflix was looking for a seasoned veteran older actor to play the part. I think Lawrence Fishburne could do an amazing job with this role. He's not quite what I pictured for Regis, which was more like a Mads Mickelson type of actor. Um, but I'm I'm intrigued. Uh
2: yeah, fair enough. Um,
3: all right, uh, Dan. So Kit Harrington opens up
2: about his ADHD diagnosis and rehab. Uh, yeah, Kit Harrington gave a pretty big interview. We talked about because we knew that he got into into rehab after the end of Game of Thrones. Kind of feeling just a lot of pressure from the show. Apparently, he went twice. I didn't know that he went once. Got sober and then went out, no, I didn't and either. then came back, and I think that's when he got diagnosed with ADHD. Good for him, you know, getting the help he needs. Um, uh, Yeah, and now he has two kids, and her wife is married to your and they're doing good. Good for him, good for them. Uh, Daniel, speaking of uh, hmm? your cousin Noah Hawley, uh, Noah Hawley's yes. Alien show will ignore all the alien lore that was delivered onto us in the movies Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Just going back to the source. What do you think of that?
3: I think it's kind of a, a, I could see some people maybe being a little perturbed by it, but I think it's a good decision um, because he basically said that this idea that the, the xenomorph was like this bioweapon was less interesting than this idea that it evolved in space, which is kind of just like what the fans assumed for like decades. Um, mm-hmm. He's also using The style from the original Alien movies instead of the more polished Like sure. iStore uh, Apple gadget Style of Prometheus so I think Promising some promising Updates there um, Alright uh, Jennifer Coolidge of White The White Lotus fame will yeah. star In the Minecraft movie I mean
2: thank god um, Jennifer Coolidge Who is Oh, I'm just loving the late career, the late career bloom. Jennifer Coolidge is having so, so happy to be getting all these roles and to really be making everybody so happy around the world. These gays are trying to murder me. And she'll be starring with Jason Momoa and Jack Black, where she belongs. So good for her. Fun. Very fun. It's got a good cast, Uh that movie, so far. (laughs) I don't know what to think. I don't play Minecraft. Suspiciously good. Um, here's a cool one that I might actually partake in this. So ahead of Dune part two, which comes out in March, they're going to release the 1984 Dune movie starring Kyle McLaughlin by David Lynch into theaters for a couple of days in February. Interested? Yeah, I'm totally interested. Uh, so
3: this is not affiliated with Dune part two. This is a different it's fathom events is the company and they're running Dune in select theaters for two days in February, February 18th and 19th, which is like two weeks ahead of Dune part two, which is March 1st. Um, Yeah, I totally want to go see this. Uh, I too. obviously uh, was too young to see it the first time because I was not born uh, when it was in theaters. Yeah. So, yes, i me up. Um, Oops, David Lynch. All right, Dan David Lynch our final lightning round news story of the day. Um some some maybe bad news for Marvel fans. Uh Tatiana Maslany, uh who played Jennifer Walters/She-Hulk, uh says she doesn't think She-Hulk season 2 is going to happen.
2: Yeah, um I know that they've been reevaluating things there over at Marvel. Maybe this throw everything we have against the wall and see what sticks approach wasn't the best idea. And uh, yeah, She-Hulk was, was I didn't dislike, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. I didn't I think it was it. great though. And I know it costs so much money for like a pretty slight yeah. show. So I guess I'm not surprised they're going to have to think about like, we just can't keep doing this. <laughs> it's just no way. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's our show, everybody. Uh, as I mentioned, we do this every single Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Winner is Coming YouTube page and the "Winter's is Coming Facebook page. We're also able to listen to in podcast form, wherever podcasts are available, iTunes, Google Play, Other. Um. Thanks for showing up today. Thanks for talking <laughs> with us. And for everybody out there who isn't usually here. Come on back. Come on down. It's always a good time. We love talking with you guys. We love sharing our opinions. We love hearing yours. And as we get closer to House of the Dragon, you don't want to miss it because who knows when new news will break right here, right now on this show. Come back next Wednesday or you'll regret it. (laughs) Take care, all.
3: This podcast is brought to you by Fansighter. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between.